and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, just that name, Jesus, every knee should bow in, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue, including yours and mine, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Lord, as we enter into your word, I pray you'll bless the time that you'll use it for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, this day, my job is very simple. It is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we do love you. And we thank you that we and many around the world take this month to remember your first coming. When you came humbly to serve and to ultimately die on the cross for us. We look back at that time and we remember it. And Lord, we know that there would be no future for us if you had not come. So we thank you. I pray you'll bless this time. Holy Spirit, do the job of teaching. And, and I do pray that if there are some that don't know you as their Savior yet, that you will work inside of their hearts, that you will draw them to yourself. And Father, I pray that you will gloriously save them today. And we'll thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are certain phrases in the Scriptures that stick out in that one phrase that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The attention of it all goes then to the glory of God the Father. The purpose of Jesus Christ is to honor His Father. We talked about this also on Wednesday night where the Spirit of God has been given to uh, work inside of man to elevate the name of Jesus Christ. And that all attention is on him, that he, does, he, has, he didn't come to speak of himself, but he came to reveal the words of Jesus Christ that are the words of the God, the Father. And so Jesus Christ honors the Father. And that's what it's all about. Even when we are, in, in, you know, this is my, my point. One day, every one of us as believers are going to be in heaven, united together as the bride of Christ. And in a, I don't know how it all is going to happen, but to me... When that rapture takes place, when we're all together, all the church age are raptured and in his very presence. And we are preparing to have the judgment seat of Christ and to give an account of everything that we have done. I don't know if it will be individually. I don't know if it's going to be done corporately, how it's going to happen exactly. But every believer's knee, we are going to bow before Jesus Christ and we're going to call Jesus Christ Lord, meaning boss. And then God the Father is literally receiving that honor in that glory. You know what it's like when you watch your kids do something successful. You get puffed up, don't you? It's like, yeah, that's my kid. You know, we're proud because of what they have done. And that's the thought that the Father is honored when men honor Jesus Christ. This is probably going to be one of those messages you hear me weekly. Some of you, three, four times a week, you hear me preaching. And this might be one of those messages that we walk away and you might remember a concept or two. But I think in heaven, these are the messages that are going to stick out the most. Because this is what heaven 
truly points to is the honor of Jesus Christ. Things in heaven, earth, under, you can't go any direction where Jesus Christ will not be honored. Period. His name is a name which is above every name. That's why Jesus' name is not to be used in vain. Hope you don't do that. If you do, stop it. You hit your thumb and you say Jesus' name vainly, stop it. His name is not a cuss word. It's not a curse word. It is a name which is above every name. That we as Christians honor His name. In verses 1 through 4, there is a call to humility. You and I are called to be humble. We are told in other books, like Peter, he says, Humble yourselves therefore. In other words, it is something that, well, if we don't do it, God will. Right? If we don't humble ourselves, God always has a way of orchestrating in our lives to help us realize we're nothing but as much as sinners that are saved by grace. So he brings us back down to reality. But here is on purpose how we are supposed to be humble. And God calls us to this humility. In the, in the first verse, there are conditional uh, foundations that are there. They are summed up this way. We are, we are called, if there ain't be any comfort, you know, if there's any consolation, if there's love, if there's fellowship. In other words, these conditions are foundational to humility. In verse number two, he says then, fill up, if you will, fulfill ye my joy. In other words, fill it up. Bring it to a, conclu- a completeness, and this is the joy that is going to be in my mind when I hear these things are happening. Now, you remember, this is the leader of the congregations, Paul. And he's trying to say, you want to make me happy? You want to make the preacher happy. You want to make the Apostle Paul happy. You want to have him going down the pews going, hey, man, this is amazing. This is awesome. You say it's the offering plate, right? No, it's not how full the offering plate is. He doesn't bring anything up about money. But sadly, usually money is what makes people celebrate. And nothing to do with finances or this or that. It's not stuff. He says, you want to make me absolutely happy? Live in harmony. You live in harmony. The church. He says that the the church, the souls, will begin to beat together. That we would be having that... Mind that is the same. And that's the phrase, the second part of it all. You want to make the the preacher happy? Have one mind. One man put it this way. It is like two clocks that chime at the exact same time. They're two, but they're both giving the same sound, the, the same time, the same everything, meaning it's identical. And when our minds are identical, going in the same direction... The, the, the preacher in this text, Paul, is saying, wow, am I happy. And you say, well, that shouldn't make him that happy. No. When the body works together, that's how God can use us. That's, I think, why we in America, we love sports so much. I enjoy sports. Watch that Army-Navy game yesterday, you know, and you're walking, watching these teams working together. And when you see... A team who doesn't have the talent work together to defeat a team that they should never beat because of their talent. 
You stop and say, how could that happen? It's because this team worked together. The other team, who was great talent, didn't work together. They're trying to do the individuality and try to get on ESPN and be in the highlight reel. I, I just want it. I want me to shine. Team accomplishes more than an individual in any sport. With military, but also with the church. So that's what he's getting into. You want to really make God happy, fulfill the joy, live in harmony. The body is your soul, your mind, everything like a heart is beating together. Boom, boom, boom. And the mind is shining right at the exact same time. And in verse 3, he brings up this thought that nothing be done through the strife and the empty glory or the vain glory. Another way of saying it, empty, meaningless pride. Just like the sports guy that wants all of the attention, had the great play, all the attention is on that individual. doesn't matter that the team lost. I had my play. I stuck out more than anyone else. Well, that's not going to accomplish the ultimate goal of team. So, vainglory, individual's pride will always bring destruction. Pride comes before a fall, body fears before destruction, and this is on every generation, and it doesn't matter who it is. So, in verse 3, he calls us to take this vainglory, this empty pride, and your mind then, and especially Russell, you have to turn the verse and move. So, I got the next verse. He says, take your mind and take it down. Low. Lowliness of mind. Uh, Russell quoted Luke 11, 28. I think he's going He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Christ, as he's going ahead to it, the one who was King King Lord of War and Son of King, he wanted lowered his mind, lowering his heart, lowering expectations of self. So, I, I, I can't say that I'm a boss or a lowest. I'm right here taking everything down to the very bottom. We'll get into that in a moment. He says uh, the last phrase there. To seem other better than themselves. By the way, this contradicts everything that we learn in American culture. Everything we see in this text, you will hear from everywhere media, Hollywood, uh, book centerism, that it's all about you. And to put yourself forward above other people. And that's why scriptures. You know that it's the mind of God because the mind of God goes opposite from the, the world's philosophies. The man's philosophy is you deserve this. You don't go down there. You stay up here. Elevate yourself. Elevate everything. Your career, etc. Why don't you quit that great paying job to go to a missing field? You deserve more than that. This is the mindset. So 
so the father is the last part, the senior other better. Regard other people as superior to your own self. That's hard for us to do because we have our opinions that we how I see it means to be done. And if somebody else thinks of it as a bad idea, but I come up with it as a great idea. So, if we want to put ourselves forward, and so we want that reputation, we want to be honored by men, we want everybody to love us, they want us to be seen as the Savior. Yeah, you fixed it all, and you the man, you're the, you are the one. This, that's the reputation that we want. Keep that in mind also. And so if we put others before ourselves, if we would regard everybody say, this person is above me, a follower, if everybody does that, it creates equality then with the mindset. And that's why in verse 1, 2, it deals with the harmony. If one is putting themselves forward and not listening to the others, then we have the pride which is going to bring negativity. But if everybody listens to one another and says, you are superior to me, I'm going to listen to those ears to what you are saying and your ideas, and you open up to that, but then they do the same thing for you. And then there's this thought of more the spirit to the other because they think your idea is better than theirs. And they begin to listen. What's going to happen then, as things are communicated and talked out, there's going to be an uncompromised decision that is made for following the best for the whole. Not best for one person to elevate them. That's what even preaching is not to be self will. In other words, putting my effort forward so that I benefit. And we're talking to preachers about that. That's what's going on in America too. The agenda is to elevate the individual. Instead of the whole, that's what's happening in politics. It's not best for the whole. And so, yeah, the mind of God is trying to bring us to the place. You stop and you listen. By the way, you can absolutely apply submission and yield of spirit. If there's not a yield of spirit both ways, like life and life, if both, that's why it says, uh, submit yourself one to another, therefore, you fear God. So if we all yield to the other, we're listening to them, it creates an equality. And once both have listened, there is the thought, though, that someone does have to make the decision. That's why it says, why submit yourself there for your own husband who's done the work? So somebody has to make the decision. So God says, when you do the man is never going to do it without listening to the mind of his wife. And that's where the wife says, I trust you because you're doing what's best for the whole, not for yourself. Oh, and this works, man. Trust me. This works. Because this is God's way of doing it. So if you want me happy, you want the leadership, you want God happy, there it is. The only way we can stay humble is to see ourselves as God sees us. God as man sees us. Because we can look at the opinions of man and say, these people like me, or they are harming me, etc. And, but we have to remember, if you know what it comes and we see ourselves as God sees us, and that is essential to grace. All that's me, what God has done, and all the benefits that come to me, and that keeps me humble. So, verse 4, 
himself. So let this mind be in you. You as an individual, we as a church. Let this kind of a mind be in you. The mind that is called to humility, which brings joy to the Father because of the harmony and the one-mindedness, the one purpose, the one intention. We're emptying ourselves of pride. And we're regarding others as superior. We're doing it for them, not for self. If we do those things, we're going to keep our eyes on that which is good for the people, and we're going to be just like Jesus Christ. That's why He came to this earth. The humility to fill up what was lacking inside of us, to bring joy and the harmony and the purpose and intent. I have purpose now because I have Christ. Without Him, why am I even here? He gives understanding of life. Everything is surrounding Him. So we now have the mind of Christ. All these concepts we just were taught were owned by Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is our example. In verse number 6, He tells us about uh, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Pre-incarnate state of Jesus Christ. Eternal Deity, that phrase where 
he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Maybe another way of saying it is that which he held as deity, that he's always been God, he's eternal past, is a prize that Jesus holds on to. This is something he knew when he was here. He knew this. And yet he emptied himself of the prize, a pride, excuse me. And he didn't set aside his deity. He is God. He is the son of God. But he emptied himself. He stripped himself of his majesty and his glory for us. Turn back with me to the book of John in chapter number 17. I preached this entire chapter, I think it was in 2017. Uh, No one pulled more out of it than me. Powerful, powerful prayer that Jesus has. This entire chapter is a prayer. And you want to learn about the heart of Jesus? You'll see it in prayer. His high priestly prayer. Matter of fact, to let you know, in this prayer, Jesus actually prayed for you and I. You know, Jesus prayed for you. He knew you. He knows you. He's God. He prayed for you and I. But there's just one thing I want to highlight in this chapter. Chapter 17, verse 5. He says, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me, in thine own self. Now notice this. With the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So Jesus, as he's communicating with his father while on this earth, he talks to his father about a glory that he shared with him. Well, as he says, before the world was. So now Jesus is going back to creation, back to Genesis again. And before it all started, there was a glory that Jesus Christ had, always had, with the Father. Jesus didn't have a beginning. He didn't start December 25th. That's not the beginning. He always has been. Now the question we would have to answer is this. If he is talking to the Father about going back to the glory that he once had with the Father, how was that going to happen? He's on earth. He's praying to to the heavens to talk to his heavenly Father. How can he be restored to that glory? Two ways. Through the death, the resurrection, and then the ascension. So he's dealing with the resurrection and the ascension. If Jesus only died, he couldn't fulfill the, the role of the Messiah. There needed to be the first resurrection because you can't ascend if you're not alive. So he's alive and well. And then he ascends 40 days later and he is ushered into the very heavens where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, full of glory and majesty again. But for that 33 and a half years, he humbled himself and became like you and I. He hungered. He was thirsty. When they slammed those nails into him, he felt it. 
the whipping post, he felt it. Not only the physical, but he went through the emotional part of it all. He was betrayed by one of his men that he chose. You know what that's like to choose a man. And then years down the road, that man turns against you and wants you to be destroyed. That hurts. It is something you never forget. We call it stabbing you in the back because you trusted me. And now I have your vulnerable back. Jesus went through the emotions. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Our Savior went through this. And yet, He says, we do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points as we are, and yet sinless. No sin whatsoever. Back to Philippians. Jesus emptied Himself. He just put it all down to come to this earth. He stripped Himself of that majesty and glory. You see, how do you know that? Because He came down to the bottom with us. When you look at the cross that is talked about, now remember, He's equal with God, but He made Himself of no reputation. The form of a servant, likeness of man, fashion as a man, He humbled Himself, and He obeyed His Father in that He died this horrible death on the cross. We talked about this, uh, I think it was last Easter, when we described the cross, the criminal, the one who had to die outside of the camp because he was seen as the sinner. He was despised. He was condemned. He was the criminal. And that's what Jesus went through for us. The perfect, sinless Lamb of God came down. Lowered his mind, lowered his heart, came down, put aside what he had in glory, the majesty and glory, and he came down to be with you and I. That's Christmas. That's what it's all about. Once in a while, we look at our work, sometimes what we do in church, sometimes what we do outside of church. And we think, am I above this? I'm, I'm too good for this. Our first church, uh, we, uh, we struggled a lot financially. Uh, we didn't have anything. You know, we're trying to get kids educated and, you know, five bucks left a week, <laughs> you know, maybe. Um, unless something bad happened, and that's gone too. And it seems like, you know, you look at the budget and it's like how there's no way of winning in this you know, 185 bucks a week with four kids, it's pretty hard to take care of everything, you know. And so I had to find some side work every once in a while. Um, and so one of the first ones, a guy in our church, uh, he uh, cleaned different uh, businesses. And he goes, I can, I can bring you in. You can work Friday night, go in about 10 o'clock at night, and work till 3, 4, 6 in the morning. And so I would stay up Friday nights and try to sleep and get ready for Sunday. And so uh, I would do that. And I remember Kim was his name. He came up to me, and he looked at me one day as I'm cleaning the toilets out. And uh, he knows what I was doing. It was a glue factory, you know. And uh, 
uh, Avery, they had glue. I shouldn't say glue factory. It was a, it was a factory where they used glue uh, for envelopes and things like that. And glue will be all over the floor, and you're down there scraping off the floor, and your hands and knees, you know, and, and uh, using the chemicals. And he came up to me. He said, Carl, why are you doing this? He goes, you're my preacher. You're too good for this job. But my kids were worth it. Taking care of my kids, I didn't care what I had to do. You got to do what you have to do to make sure ends are met. And it was a season. And I never looked at myself as when I was doing that thinking, I'm above this. Because the work produced for others. But we are, in our mindset, we, we have this thought, I'm above that. You, you don't pay me enough. You know, I deserve more. This is the whole American failure, is we've lost humility, and we've not learned Christ. And therefore, we won't serve because we think we're above this. My family, as we talk about the old days, those years were some of the greatest years in our memories as a family. Because we had to pray for everything. You had no idea. You go to a dollar store to get Christmas. You know, about five bucks per kid, you know. Of course, the toys didn't last very long. last about 30 seconds. You know, a bunch of plastic. But they had something to open up. And then, of course, they had their jeans and socks because they had to have, you know, the clothes they needed for school. So that was Christmas. And now if we don't give them the biggest, baddest toy, you know, we're, we feel we're unsuccessful. Hey, God, forgive us of our pride, huh? And yet, this humility that our Savior showed was absolutely reversed when the resurrection and the ascension took place. It tells us that after this humility of the cross, as a result of what he did, putting others first, the the humbling himself, dying on the cross, in verse 9, wherefore, as a result of this, God has not just exalted him, but highly exalted him. You'll remember I quoted Peter, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you and I at the right time, the due season. So you want to be elevated by God, first comes humility. And that's the pattern that Christ is trying to, to show us. As we humble ourselves, then the exaltation. Christ humbled himself, and then God gave him a, a highly exalted position. And gave him a name which is above every name. Now notice, he gives us what that name is that God the Father gave. And he said, my son's name is Jesus. By the way, that's Christmas. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save. Save who? Save people. Save people from what? From their sin. So the reason Jesus came in this humility is to die on the cross for our sin. And this name reflects, now follow me, for all of eternity. The name of Jesus reflects on his humility that he came down. That's why he also we will call him the Lamb of God. The song will be about 
the Lamb of God. That reflects on His time on earth, the humility to die on the cross for the sins of the people. And as a result of that, for all of eternity, all of the world will rejoice when the name Jesus is mentioned. You say Jesus in heaven. Woo! Amen! Hallelujah! Glory! I'm sorry, I'm not in the right church to do that. I'd be sober. Not allowed to laugh. Not allowed to have happy. No shouting here. No jumping pews. He was taken from the lowest to the highest. He was raised to the highest position, which is honored by his father. Just the very mentioning of the name of Jesus is, is the greatest name known to God the Father and all of mankind. And therefore, when his name is mentioned, every knee excuse me, is going to bow. Turn with me and I'll be done in a moment. Look with me to the book of Acts in chapter number four. Acts chapter 4. People were upset about the preaching of Jesus, the death and the resurrection. People were getting saved left and right, hearing about the death and burial of Jesus Christ and the resurrection and the healing of people. They were not happy at all. And when Peter is giving a message and reflecting on who Jesus Christ is, in verse 11, he says, this is a stone which is set at naught, and you builders, which has become the head of the corner. In other words, Jesus Christ is the rock. He's the salvation. And then verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. I wish all churches believed that. This church does. You can't go through another God. God says, I will have no other idols before me. There's no other God. This is it. You say, I don't agree with that. I believe there's multiple ways to get to heaven. You're wrong. According to the scriptures, not the philosophy of man, but according to the Bible, there is only one way to heaven. That's what this is getting at. There is no salvation through any other. There is salvation, I should say, in no other. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. Notice this, under heaven. Well, what's that name? What name is he talking about? Jesus, period. Among men whereby we must be saved. Must be. Not possibility. I'm going to go a different route. No, this is the only way that God says you must be saved. This is the road. This is the bridge. This is the door. This is the lamb. This is the bread of life. He is it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way you can get to the Father is through Jesus Christ, period. And I say that in absolute love. But I have to, in this day and age, say it also with conviction, because there are some very well-meaning, intentional people that are in pulpits that are saying it doesn't matter. You can, we're all going to get there somehow. Not true. That's a lie. 
to lie. That guy is a liar. Or that woman is a liar. Okay. Just saying the name. Just saying his name reminds us. Just saying the name Jesus reminds mankind of his humility. This humility is what he showed by coming down to earth. And we look at that as the Christmas time period. Why did he come? In order to restore to man what man lost. A position, a relationship with God was lost through sin. And yet, Jesus Christ came down, took upon himself the form of man, died on a cross to forgive us as our lamb. So he took upon himself the sins of the whole world to win the world to the Father. So you say, what was in Jesus' mind? Humility. What was in Jesus' mind? A oneness with the Father. Purpose, intent. He emptied pride out. All the vain glory was taken away. And he came with lowliness of mind. He didn't regard himself. He wasn't worrying about his appearance. He didn't care that mankind hated him as a whole, especially the Jews. They rejected him. And he didn't have that in his mind to be superior in the thoughts of people. Instead, he humbled himself. And he kept on his eyes on the prize. And his eyes were on the prize of you and I. Because he wanted you and I first. He kept his eye on the good of the people that was around him and you and I. And he didn't do what would advance him. He did what would advance you and I. That we would be called sons of God. There's an old song that says... It was called, Oh, How I Love Him. I sang it here a couple times years ago when I used to be able to sing. And it was called, down. the first phrase was, Down from His glory, ever living story. Talk about Christ. How He left glory to come down to be with us. He was always looking out for what was best for us. And sadly, many of the us Reject what He has done for us. Father, may we not refuse You. May we not refuse Your Son. Lord America, we're all worried about being popular and how man sees us and the image we have. And yet You left heaven. You haven't hung around sinners, the publicans, the, the drunks. It was a year was so low. But we learned in your word what we've done so that we would be forgiven. What an incredible thought. The Lord Jesus is right now. He called it this thing that we do. It all happened. Here on this earth, anywhere you will go, your name, Jesus, is the exalted name. And Lord, one day, I cannot wait to bow the knee before you, to call you my Lord, and to call you my Savior, and to worship you with no restrictions, no strength.
come to the bar anymore. They will all have their own hearts. Lord, you know the hearts. You all belong to your church. Today, God, I close. I'm saying if you're here, you say, thank you, Lord, that's been added in my opinion. I do not believe that you just, just go about it. That is just a story, a story that doesn't sense to me. Who he is. What he's accomplished for me. And I want to call the men with the pain of heart to save you. Say, you will just call him. Right now, just say something like this, God. I know in your sight, I'm a sinner. I see myself as you see me. And I also know that Jesus came and humbled himself. came to this earth to die on the cross for us. I believe that she's coming to me. She died for me. She rose again. Call on me how to be my Savior. And now that I call on you, I believe that you saved me. Deliver me from that sin. I'm no more accountable for it. But now, Lord, from this day forward, help me to live for you. Help me to put you first. Help me to be humble. You say that we really like to let me know after the first. Let's sing together. That's the first place of the verse of invitation. If you guys, let's go to your heart and encourage you to come.